Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 457 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country, and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Don't forget you can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events, and updates. And I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and founder of BizJuicer an employee engagement and culture development consultancy that helps companies retain more of their great people and makes it easier for them to attract fabulous new talent too. Now, we are in a world where words burnout, stress, overwhelm, and resilience are commonplace in business and in everyday life. They can also end up costing the individuals and businesses a great deal as a result. Don't get me wrong. It's great that we're getting better at talking about all this stuff. We're even getting more comfortable talking about our mental health, our anxieties, and our vulnerabilities. The trouble is, we often end up talking about all of these things after something has happened, or someone is recovering from a burnout situation, or having dealt with a bout of anxiety, having still suffered the cost of it. Talking about these things and finding ways to deal and recover from them is great, but surely prevention's the key. Physical and mental fitness is one of those keys. The stronger both are, the better equipped we are to deal with those challenges that life throws at us. But how do we make this stuff more more appealing to people? And what can businesses do to get their employees to be physically and mentally fit, especially when many employees may be reluctant to engage with that stuff? Well, with me today is Jay Unwin, with a decade of experience in health, fitness and well-being, plus a former career in science education, and after burning out quite catastrophically on two separate occasions, Jay has developed a mental and physical fitness philosophy to rebuild the strength of his body and mind to avoid slipping back down ever again. Jay's mission is quite simple, to help as many people as possible improve their overall quality of life through improved mental and physical fitness. So if we're dealing with topics like burnout and lifestyle change, Jay looks just like the right guy to speak to. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you for having me, Andy. Great to have you here, mate. This whole topic of burnout, which it sounds like you're an expert, having gone through it twice, is a really serious topic to to address. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about your own personal experiences of dealing with that and how you now use those experiences to help others. But before we get into all of that, could I just ask you to tell us a little bit about you and what you're actually doing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So my my role now, after a, I guess the usual roller coaster of self-employment and entrepreneurship. Has <laughs> I finally, feel that. I yeah. feel that. <laughs> and I'm sure it will continue to evolve, my role. Uh, but at the moment, what I focus on is going into organizations and helping them engage their people with well-being provisions so i don't provide well-being provisions myself Mm. there's lots of amazing companies out there which do but 
a big challenge for a lot of organizations is that they put these things in place and then the uptake is small. Mm. And what I do is I try and get people engaged with this stuff. And I succeed at it as well, because what I do is I meet people on their terms. I And obviously, we're going to chat about this in a bit more detail. But I make people realize that actually where they may consider themselves as not really fitness people. Right. Um, they actually are. They actually are. They just haven't realized it. So I I help people understand why it benefits them. And I do that by delivering talks and workshops to organizations virtually and in person around the UK uh, and Europe and further afield as well. Um, and I have a great time doing it, to be honest, because I'm very, very passionate about this <laughs> message. Well, I'm sure that is going to ring through today. So let's try and tap into some of that passion, shall we? Um, if you don't mind, can we go back to where it all started for you with these burnout experiences that we briefly touched on right in the introduction, which I'm assuming, I'm guessing is the kind of stimulus for your passion and uh, probably the driver behind your current focus. So can you describe in your own words what, what happened and what the result of that experience has been? So as you mentioned in the intro, my previous career was as a science teacher mm. Now, teaching, whether you've had direct experience of that or not, most people know someone who uh, who is a teacher or has been a teacher. And most people are aware that it is a rather stressful environment to work in for various reasons. And I didn't last very long. I'll be honest. I was I was fairly fresh out of university. Mm -hmm. I'd done uh, I'd done my biology degree. Um, I'd had a year out and then went and did my PGCE. And so I was only 24 when I started teaching. And I was 25 when I left. I wow. Think, uh, 25, Quick. 26. Yeah, I, I lasted less than two years. And, you know, a lot of people consider that, that maybe that was um, due to the teenagers and the behavior and stuff like that. But I never found that to be the big issue. I actually found that to be the enjoyable part of the job. I really, really loved the actual teaching. Mm. It was the other stuff which came along with it, which I wasn't expecting in terms of, you know, the workload, the politics and right. all of those kinds of things, which are, you know, not unique to teaching. Most corporate environments have a high workload and they have a uh, certain amount of office politics and stuff like that. And that can be quite stressful. Anyway, I ended up uh, very unwell mm. and I thought it was physical at first. I have a rather checkered medical history, let's say. And so I when I when I become unwell, the doctors love to do test after test after test. Um, and every time these tests were coming back with nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, well, there quite clearly is. I can't mm. sleep. I'm physically in pain. I uh, I'm feeling sick. I'm shaking. And there's all of these kind of physical symptoms. And it was rather frustrating to keep being told there's nothing wrong with you until one of my doctors said, have you considered it might be stress? Mm. And I said, well, I don't feel stressed. And he said, well, you don't have to feel stressed. Sometimes it can manifest itself in a, in a physical way. Mm. And so that kind of piqued my interest a bit as someone who, you know, comes from a background of science and stuff like that. I'm a bit of a geek and I like doing my research and started delving into stress and, realized that actually he might be onto something here 
especially given that this was also around the time that I became a father for the first time, which is another big change, you know? Oh. Another, yeah, it's a lot of stress. It's amazing, amazing time. I'm not saying that. It's it's often the things which are the most amazing things you can do are also quite demanding. Um, but let's take a break right there. So yeah. you're 24. Yeah. You're probably closer to the age of the, some of the kids that you're teaching than you are a lot of the people you're working yep. with you're dealing with all this new stuff politics backbiting workload that perhaps you know look, we've all say we've all we've been to university we've done that sort of stuff it's a very different thing and then at the same time the whole other mental workload dealing with a new life and the responsibility alongside of that i mean that's a heavy heavy set of weight to have on your shoulders right so yeah. maybe maybe no wonder this is manifesting itself in a mental and physical um way yeah absolutely it's from a from an evolutionary perspective um getting my science teacher cap on for a moment <laughs> from an evolutionary perspective we are incredibly good at dealing as a general rule with acute stress mm. so short bursts of intense stress which could be physical stress like having to you know run away from a predator of some kind in you know back to our cave um we've evolved to deal with those kinds of stresses acute stresses another example of that is an infection we've got this amazing immune system which can fight off infection uh and that is an acute stress on our body. It is a short-lived but very intense thing for our body to deal with. So we're very good mentally, you know, psychologically and physiologically at dealing with acute stress. However, what we are terrible at dealing with in general is chronic stress. Mm. It's stress which is at a much lower level, but there's no let up. That is something that we didn't have to evolve to deal with as a rule. And so when that occurs in life these days, it causes issues and it does occur in everyday life a lot. I would argue that we have a lot more chronic stresses these days to deal with than we have acute stresses. You know, we don't have to worry as much about infection or being chased by a predator in most cases. Yeah, the saber-toothed tiger population has dwindled a bit. It has, it has. I believe that's the next uh, (laughs) David Attenborough series is on the flight of the saber-toothed tiger. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've got things like uh, how many emails we've got to respond to and how much, uh, how many proposals we've got to get out and whether our, you know, um, children are doing all right in school and like what's our relationship like and are we earning enough money and have we like got enough time to go on holiday this year and all of these kind of weird things which we just haven't evolved to do our environment has changed drastically and continues to change drastically in fact the speed at which the world is changing is speeding up you know the, the the change is exponentially fast but physiologically, we're the same as we have been for about 300,000 years and psychologically for about 10, 20,000 years. So you've got this drip, 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 constant kind of stress feeding yeah. build, building up over time. So you you fell over quite dramatically with that, yeah. with that first burnout. What, what happened to trigger the second? So when I had that first burnout and I left teaching, um, I decided I wanted to move into a career which would keep me well rather than making me unwell. Sensible. So I, I wanted to change my environment. And I thought, well, 
I've got a bit of an interest in health and fitness and well-being. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't come from a background of being an athlete or being a bodybuilder or any of those things. I'm very much a normal person in that regard. Mm. Um, but I've got an interest in it. And I thought that's a career. The health and well-being industry of all industries is surely going to keep me healthy and well. Right. It's in the name. Yeah. And so I retrained as a personal trainer. And I started my own business as a personal trainer because that was one of the things I wanted was autonomy. So I worked for myself and this was all well and good and things were great. And I owned my own gym for a little while uh, down in Torquay, uh, like small kind of boutique type gym. Um, I did the personal training, mostly outdoors or in people's homes when it wasn't, uh, when I didn't have my own gym. Yeah. And I did online coaching. I dabbled in nutrition stuff. And then five years into that, I burned out again. And what and caused thought, that burnout? What, what, what was it? <laughs> well, I think the 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 easiest way of putting it is that to all intents and purposes, I'd gone from being a workaholic teacher to being a workaholic personal trainer. <laughs> you know, I changed my environment, but I hadn't changed myself, not to any great degree anyway. There were changes because I was in a different environment and obviously I had different cues and different behaviors as a result of that. But mm -hmm. my values, my beliefs, my behaviors were to all intents and purposes the same. And so changing my environment was the right thing to do yeah. absolutely it kept me going for five years so yeah that was the right thing to do but at that point i was like right i need to look internally at what's gone on here that needs to change it's not just external so i did a lot of reflection and for i lost my business uh, and for six months i was completely unable to work um and i did a lot of introspection at this point and thought right i need to put a philosophy together and a set of strategies together that will help me build back up physically and mentally and avoid this happening again. Because clearly what I did last time, despite keeping me going for five years, was not the full answer. And, and that's that's kind of what started where I, the journey to where I'm at now in the sense of a holistic, although I don't, I'm not a big fan of that word because I live in the hippie capital of the UK down near Totnes. Um, <laughs> holistic means all kinds of things, but this, this all encompassing mental and physical thing, because it's not just about one or the other, they're two sides of the same coin. And when I was able to work again, I realized that actually I'm not the only person who struggles with this stuff. There's a lot of people struggling with stress, a lot of people burning out. And I wanted to be able to help those people. So I used that as the foundation for my coaching going forward. And that has morphed into working with organizations uh, to just extend my reach, really, so I can speak to more people at once than I ever could with coaching. Well, look, thank you for sharing that that backstory. And uh, without wanting to sound as patronizing as this will no doubt come across, well done you, mate, for showing uh, real drive and resilience because it's bad enough people getting knocked down once to get knocked down twice get up dust yourself off think about stuff and then go after something again and as you clearly are making a success of it i mean that 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 takes some that takes some stuff so you know i, I love this stuff I, I i love hearing about stories like this let's let's then dig into this newfound philosophy that you you came up with then so explain to me how you use this link between physical and mental fitness performance well-being um the benefits employees organizations um that you that you've that you work with and, and explain to me this thing because I've, I've i've seen you talk about this heard you talk about this this fitness being a currency 
thing. I think I'm interested to hear what you mean by that. So can you wrap all that? Loads of questions there. Can you wrap up that sort of stuff for me? I can. It's actually, although it sounds like a lot of questions, it is the same question in okay, a way good. because um, it's just worded slightly differently. That's all. So the the link between the, the the benefits to employers, the benefits to employees, and fitness being a currency, that is what the benefit is. Right. Um, so I will explain that so anyone listening can get really clear on what I mean, and so that you can as well. Um, this is this is actually at the core of what I teach. So it is so vital. Once we understand this, everything changes when it comes to engagement. Mm-hmm. When it comes to engagement with well-being provisions, which a lot of companies have, and aren't getting the engagement that they want. You know, they might be putting these provisions in place, but their people just aren't aren't using them. Really common challenge. This will change everything. If you consider fitness as a currency, you realize that actually you can spend that on whatever you want. If you have money in the bank, you would probably spend that on something different to what I would spend it on. And the next person would spend it on. We all have different priorities. The way fitness has been sold to us over the years by the fitness industry, and bearing in mind, I've been working in the fitness industry now for for 10 years. I've seen a lot of it and it's very blinkered. It's very narrow because most people working in the fitness industry are big on fitness for the sake of fitness, right? That's why they've ended up in the industry. They love it. But most people aren't like that. Fitness for the sake of fitness is not enough. That's that's not a drive for people. In much the same way, some people aren't motivated by money for the sake of money. What money does is it gives you freedom. It gives you choices. It gives you options. And when you think, okay, if I have X amount of money, it gives me more options with where I can go on holiday or where I can live or, you know, stuff like that. Fitness is exactly the same. The greater your level of investment in your fitness, mentally and physically, the more options you have the more you can enjoy your life. And some people might spend their fitness on, they might spend it on their family. They might spend it on their career or their business. They might spend it on travel or other interests, hobbies, activities. There's any number of things that you can spend that fitness on. Because what fitness is, is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. It's your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And most people, when asked what fitness is, they've got all these ideas, they've got all these images, all this conditioning over the years of, you know, six packs and marathons and lifting weights and stuff like that. But if you ask anyone to define it, they can't, not easily, not in one sentence. Whereas if you consider it in that way with regards to stress, your physical fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from physical stress, Mm -hmm. your ability to do a physical thing and recover afterwards. And people go, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's a nice, concise way of putting it. So therefore, your mental fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from mental stress. It's your ability to do something which is emotionally, mentally, cognitively demanding, and then recover afterwards. It's your capacity to to do those things. Mm. And so if you're more able to cope with and recover from demands in your life, you can spend that on doing more of those things. Rather than sitting around recovering, wallowing in the after effects of that stress. Well, think about it this way. If you're if you're physically if you physically have less capacity to do hard things and recover, you're going to be limited in terms of the physical things you can do. Mm-hmm. Right. So you go on holiday and you want to climb that mountain that you can see on the horizon, you might not be able to do it. Now, this is an extreme example, but you know, you've got a whole spectrum of things. Some people might want to 
go and swim in the pool all day. Some people might want to just have a little stroll up and down the beach. They might not be able to do those things. Or if they do, they know that it's going to take them a long time to recover because of their physical strength, their physical fitness. Playing with your kids, it might be just too much for you. So you can invest in that and develop that capacity. And the same thing is true of mental fitness. Maybe you want to go for a promotion at work, but you're not going to be able to handle the stress because your mental fitness just isn't up to the challenge. And I'm not saying at any point that we have 100% control over these things. It's really important to understand that there's a lot of factors at play from genetics, environment, um, socioeconomic background. There's all kinds of things which affect our physical well-being and our mental well-being, which we cannot control. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's all outside our control. There are always things that we can do to develop that capacity. And all of those things then improve our quality of life because we can do more of the things which mean something to us that are a priority for us and as soon as individuals start understanding this they begin to engage more with what's available to them it comes back to that old covey thing about the sphere of influence and control isn't it there are there are things that you can control right and there are things that actually you can't control but you can influence yeah and uh, you know I, i'm hearing what you're saying in that th the benefits of training you don't just get this stuff is yeah. that you can influence more things some things are always particularly physical are going to be out of your control 100 100 get that um but it's an interesting concept to think about this um mental and physical fitness as a currency now in your work with companies much like wally's like me the minute you start talking about physical fitness um that's going to turn some people off right or they'll be reluctant to, if they're not a gym bunny it's not their thing and therefore they switch off potentially to the rest of the message that you're trying to 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 get through how do you go about trying to engage the kind of reluctant take uppers if that's even such a phrase but uh, what what sort of things do you end up doing jay to be honest there's only like really two two sides to this one of them is kind of what we've already discussed the first mm. thing that i do in any presentation that i give any talk that i give any workshop that i do is i make people understand why it's going to benefit them yeah in the short term as well not the long term humans are notoriously bad at thinking long term you know it's no one gets up in the morning excited to reduce their risk of developing chronic heart disease in later life <laughs> i mean they don't know do they no and and yet this is these are the benefits that are always um, shoved in our faces it's like if you do 150 minutes per week of moderate activity you will reduce your risk of developing cardiovascular heart disease by x amount you will reduce your risk of developing diabetes by x amount nobody like that's great stuff but nobody goes oh that's it that's what i needed that's really got my juices flowing like that's not it's it's not sexy mm. right mm. um if you if you, again, from an evolutionary perspective, we are wired for immediate gratification. Is that great, given our current environment that we live in? No. But if we fight against it all the time, we're going to lose. If we understand that actually that's a hardwired part of our brain to, to want immediate gratification, why don't we work with it? Why don't we go, all right, what are the short-term benefits? And if you meet people where they are and say look this is why it's going to benefit you not necessarily 10 20 30 40 years down the line but why it's going to benefit you today this mm. week 
what's going to improve you're going to have more energy you're going to be sleeping better you're going to have less stress you're going to be bickering less with your partner you're going to have a better relationship with your kids all of these things are going to start changing immediately then you get some engagement because people go oh maybe i am a fitness person mm. right now one of the the other thing the other side of it is you need those people in the room to start with and i have heated discussions with people about this on a fairly regular basis because i say all of my talks if i go into a if i go into an organization i want my talk to be compulsory i want everyone to have to go to it wow and how does that go down not very well usually <laughs> <laughs> but but hear me out i don't want a room full of people who are already engaged with well-being right if you do a talk on well-being and you say to people, hey, we've got this guy coming in to talk about fitness, well-being, habit change, stuff like that. Who do you reckon out of that organization are going to go to that event? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to be people who already like it. If you put on a yoga workshop, who's going to that? People who like yoga. If you provide a corporate gym membership, who's going to use that? And I can tell you for a fact, it is not the people who don't have a gym membership already. It's the people who've got a membership, they cancel that and go, brilliant, I've got a free one. Yeah. The people who don't go to the gym, usually there might be, you know, a few people who take it up because it's it was a financial thing. Most people, it ain't a financial thing. They just hate the gym. They are disengaged. They don't like it. They're intimidated. And I can completely understand why. It's not always a friendly place. I think they're more friendly than most people realize, but I can understand people's hesitation, but it is not because their work are not paying for them to go. So if you if you put a, uh, a talk on which is about engaging people, I want the people in the room with their arms crossed, who've heard it all before, who like they, they just they don't want to be there. Those are the people I want to be. <laughs> that's, that's who I want to talk to. I ain't afraid of them. Because mm. I know that I can help them get a better quality of life through making a few changes, which probably aren't the changes they think they have to make. They're a lot smaller, they're a lot easier, and they have a lot more impact than perhaps most people realize. So it's two things. One, making it compulsory or as compulsory as organizations are willing to make it. I, you know, I, I do compromise. Um and then making it about each individual in that room, making it 100% accessible to everyone, regardless of physical ability, regardless of background, upbringing, ethnicity, gender, you name it, it doesn't matter. This is relevant to every single person in that room. And that's where you get the engagement. And I guess like most engagement things, it's really important. It's great to wheel you in. It's great to have these conversations and work your engagement magic. But then the organization, the leadership in the organization yep. needs to show that this is important, right? Yep, because absolutely. the devil's advocate in me could go, yeah, great. Well, we'll advertise all this kind of right, great physical, mental fitness stuff. It's going to cost us a load of money if people actually take us up on that. Let's just do the kind of like public facing thing. And if people take it, they take it, but not many people will. Much mm. like maybe gyms get a big kickback if people join a gym and then they, they quit and they've still got to pay 12 months. Yeah, 80% of people. Right. So in this case, you're working with the leadership too to kind of reinforce these things. I mean, is that where you get the best best result? Or are you a one-man soloist going in to do this? So I, I am, I'm just me. And I know what I do and I know I do it well. I have dabbled in providing ongoing stuff 
And I do do consultancy with leadership, but what I don't do is I don't do kind of well-being provisions. Yeah, I looked at doing them, but I'm just me. So what I've done is I've looked around at what there is out there, and I've got certain things which I recommend uh, in terms of provisions. There's a couple of companies that I kind of work with that I go, you know what, these people really. If you want to, I've got this kind of philosophy around engage, educate, support. Right. I engage. I educate to a degree, um, but my main thing is engagement. And then the support side of things, I can say, this is these are the people you need to go to for the support thing. Sometimes on a preventative angle, which is obviously what I'm passionate about. And then other times in terms of things like developing a, uh, like training the leadership up on um, understanding the signs of poor mental health and stuff like that. There's companies that I kind of, that I partner with who I'm good at what I do. They're good at what they do. So if you had to give listeners one piece of advice on how they could better explain the importance of this stuff in a short phrase, what would you ask them to do? I would, I would ask them to, if it was someone in a leadership position, I would ask them to communicate with their people, open up the lines of communication and find out what's important to them. What are they struggling with? Don't just assume that the same thing is going to benefit every single person because everyone's got different struggles. Everyone's got different challenges. Yes, it takes a little bit more time and effort, but open and honest communication through all levels of any organization will give a much better indication and avoid spending out money on stuff which isn't going to hit the mark. Once you do that, people will feel valued. They'll feel heard. And that in itself is a big change in terms of people's well-being at work. It's just that feeling valued. Once you've got that information, then you can start building a program which you know is going to work for the people that you're looking after. Brilliant. And finally, Joe, if people want some help with this, where can they find out about you? The best best place to come and find me is on LinkedIn. Um, so that's where I tend to hang out a lot. Um, I'm regularly updating content on there, putting out plenty of stuff around my kind of philosophy and things like that. So the best place to find me, there's my website as well, which is fitbodyfitmind.online. Um, but if you come and find me, Jay Unwin on LinkedIn, um, always happy to have a conversation with people and hopefully there'll be some stuff there to get people thinking differently about this stuff. Excellent. Well, look, that's just about all we've got time for today. Please don't forget to visit engagementsuccess.org to check out the show notes and all our fab free engagement resources where you can also download or stream any of the great shows for our archive at your leisure. Jay, thanks very much for being here today and telling us your story and offering up some practical solutions and advice on this topic. It's been a pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice one, mate. We'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.